Welcome to the PEPIN podcast, a research into practice conversation between teachers and teacher educators about research and practice. In episode 22, we continue our discussions about Tony Rossi and colleagues' 2015 book, Workplace Learning in Physical Education, Emerging Teacher Stories from the Staff Room and Beyond. We begin with an around the table discussion. Okay, uh, so my take home from this were quite simple, to be honest. Uh, overall, I, as I've begun to read the blog, I was thinking, well, there's nothing wrong really with getting on with your colleagues, um, nor is uh, nothing wrong with being the right fit for the school. If you're not the right fit, it's probably not going to work, or the right fit for the department. Like, there's got to be some cohesion there somewhere for things to work. Um, like proactively and to get the best out of yourself and the, and the kids. A line in the blog stuck out for me particularly, uh, where you talk about going from a peripheral member of a department to a full member of a department. So that's something I've said recently over the last few weeks, like it's difficult to get your head around the fact that no longer going into school as a trainee, going into school as a full member of staff, and the, you've got to build these relationships to work with the people in your department effectively. And also with the children that you're not going to be with for 10 weeks, but you're going to be with them for maybe five years. Um, and then you start talking about the discussions that go on in the staff room, in the office, about talking about the same interests in sports. Yeah, I guarantee if you ask, guarantee is not the right word, but maybe if you ask a lot of PE teachers uh, what their goal is in, in teaching, a lot might say uh, to promote. Um, physically active lifestyles, lifelong participation in physical activity, yet still a lot of the chats about about sports rather than the different aspects of physical activity, whether that being a walk, being, whether that being walking rather than competitively running, which for some reason is a strong focus in schools. There's nothing wrong with going for a social walk to, to get your physical activity um, and all the benefits that come along with that. And then similar to when I've been on in previous uh, episodes, I've always come across issues and think this isn't just a issue in the staff room or in school. When I'm reading about the uh, jerks that might be lewd and sexist uh, and might target women. Uh, but it's important not to take a, be offended or take, take to heart. That's not just an issue in PE or school. It's possibly a much wider societal issue uh, that needs tackling along with every other societal issue that's out there. Um, yeah, that's my sort of final summary of what, what I thought. Thanks, Cam. Uh, well said. I, I do think this week's uh, blog is captured nicely by Ash. Uh, I think last week he, he used the... Um, the phrase playing the game. And I think that's what this, uh, this week's blog certainly speaks to. I think his quote uh, here, uh, as new teachers, it is, it is the need to fit in and play the game, to thrive in service without being seen as too keen, phony, needy, or underfoot. That's critical. Uh, I'm not saying that that's right. I'm saying that that's critical in this chapter. Uh, it's interesting though, I still ask the same questions, is is this socialization that's going on, this, 
the, this process of socialization, socialization, perhaps changing the perspectives of those new teachers um, and moving them in a direction of, uh, from last week, from Rossi's term, misrepresentation, moving in that direction. That's what I worry about when we ask teacher candidates or induction teachers to play the game. You see, I, I, I read this chapter quite differently. Um, I think if it was me, then I wouldn't have had a problem as a young teacher. I, I talked to, I knew and I talked about the right sports. Um, although I didn't, I don't play football or soccer, uh, which can be very popular. Um, and now people tell me, ask me what football team I support, and I tell them I don't, and that's a quite a comfortable position to be in. And, you know, when you're, you know, in my stage of your career, um, it's not a problem. But you know, I, I taught in a rugby school and played rugby. Uh, taught in a cricket school and played cricket. You know, not really a problem. Um, you know, I, I got on with the team. You know, I knew how to get on with the team. I guess. Um, and I'm sure my jokes were highly inappropriate, um, you know, in those respects. And, and OK, so that's fine for me, you know, pat on the back for me. I fit in and, you know, I'm a good guy and, and that's fine. But then we just get a pro proliferation of what, you know, what the staff room already is. So new ideas, you know, those ideas don't get challenged because you need to be compliant. You need to accept them. Uh, we don't take back those spaces for um, different individuals. We don't challenge those spaces. Um, you know, the number of times I read about ability groupings in schools and, and, you know, there's a top, you know, in the UK, there's often a top set of girls, a top set of boys and a mixed ability set of, um, of lower ability students. So that kind of all put into that pot because that's the easiest way to teach them. I don't think the teaching, you know, has to be easy in terms of, you know, the way you put, put people together. It needs to be inspiring. Um, and yeah, and some of the jokes that we you know, get told in the staff room get get told about pupils. They get ref, pupils get referenced in it. Uh, I just, I guess it's, you know, we need to think about how we can challenge the spaces that we work in. And I agree with you, Cam. These are societal problems. You know, fitting in and um, you know being in the in crowd, being in the out crowd. You know, those things happen in life. But if we accept them and we don't challenge them, then they just remain the norm as opposed to you know being different and you know p as we've talked about before is is a is a white middle class profession um in fact teaching is i was in a in a in a, a group of international um, european um scholars been doing a program called infoted which is a kind of professional development thing for te for te teacher educators and and this is a European problem that teaching is a is a you know predominantly white middle class profession. And so yeah, these conversations need to be challenged. But if the only way to get into a school is to comply, if the only way to get into a school is to like the correct sports, or maybe it's the correct books, or maybe it's the correct mathematical theories, I don't know, you know, what it is, then then education doesn't change. And what happens if you don't fit those? You know, what happens if you fail your teacher education because you're an outlier, even though 
you know, your ideas are really good and, and you know, they would, given time, be able to impact on and, and, and help students to learn in, in much better ways than, you know, uh, the multi-activity sports tech, 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 tech technique approach might do. But, you know, your face doesn't fit, your ideas don't fit, and therefore, um, you know, you're not given the chance to, to you know, to blossom and, and shine and, and support those young people. And, and that's the way I read it, is that we're... We're almost pruning out the the unusual, um, and that diversity is is being lost in in the profession, uh, because, well, your face doesn't fit, your sense of humour doesn't fit, your sport doesn't fit. Uh, so that's where I read it from. Ash, I agree. I, conformity, uh, I think, is a a key term. Uh, and I think that's what you speak to. I, I think it's an interesting question. I, I go one step further. I think in the last um, couple of podcasts, I'm not sure if it was last week or previously, you had uh, discussed, you know, a couple of times in your career where you have you may have, uh, you know, challenged uh, earlier on and how you learned from learned about quote unquote playing the game. My question to you or to Cam or I guess even the audience is, are we better equipped to play the game? People like Ash and myself who are a little bit more mid mid career versus the person going into the profession to be able to, um, as you mentioned, Ash challenge instead of be complicit. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I know, you know, students who are going in, they're doing maternity covers, that maternity cover may turn into a full-time post. They're not going to get the full-time post, I guess, unless they're compliant and they fit into the department. So, you know, there's a chance. Um, some of them, people get offered jobs in the schools where they did practice practicum or school experience, we would call it. Some of people don't, you know, and... You know, there's some real challenges there in terms of, of how you fit in. And I think absolutely we're in better positions to challenge, you know, um, these spaces. I was having a conversation, you know, the other day and there was a there was a couple of comments made. And my response to the group was, and these are, you know, not people in the university. I said, oh, nothing like a bit of casual racism, is there? Um, and that shut the conversation down and people went, well, I didn't mean anything by it and whatever. But, you know, being in the position to say that is something I've learned in the last year or two, I guess. So, um, you know, with all the other discussions that we've had. Um, but that's me taking a stand, I guess, um, in, a, in a way that keeps me in the group. <laughs> um, you know, and if it continued, then I, you know, I think I would probably have a stronger conversation with somebody. But... Um, you know that's a decision that I have to make, but it's it's much easier. You know, I'm you know big enough and ugly enough, as you know, as they say, to uh, you know kind of have those have those conversations. It is difficult, but um, I mean, some of the conversations that you hear are unacceptable, and they shouldn't be in that space. I've heard stories from trainee teachers over 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 the years that have you know made my I don't know what the expression is, toes curl or, uh, you know, and you just thought, no, absolutely not. 
Um, but then I didn't do anything about it. So I'm complicit, you know, in those discussions, I guess. It's it's true. It's, you know, the other, dare I say too, Ash, that we're more well-versed now. We're more, you know, more, more mature. Uh, you know, not to suggest that an induction teacher isn't passionate about what is, uh, what is right and what is wrong. I'm not saying that, but it, it, you know, they also have different pressures to consider just coming out of school and looking for that first opportunity to get their foot in the door. Like you said, playing the game, being complicit. There's a lot to think about for sure. When we talk about changing, uh, playing the game and trying to fit in and being the right fit, I, is it even possible to change the game without being able to play it first and fitting in? Like you've got to tip the boxes first and almost get your foot in the door before you begin to sort of try and to turn things a little bit. But also what stuck out when you spoke uh, before, Ash, was uh, about weaning out the unusual. Do you think, or either of you think, that if we get the unusual in, that that's the answer to getting those young people to be physically active for the rest of their lives? Do you think that's the answer, part of the answer, or what? Yes, I do. I mean, I was having a conversation with someone today and we were talking about um, you know, the term queer and how um, LGBTQ population have taken that term back. They've, re they've re-owned it, you know, they've, they've repurposed it to be, you know, a positive thing and not a negative thing. Um, and I think in some cases, P is seen as a negative thing. And we do need to, you know, repurpose it. Um, you know, if you are LGBTQ pupil in a school, P's, school is not an easy place. Let's not, let's not even look at this from a that. School is not an easy place. But having role models in the staff room and having, you know, having supportive teachers who can cope with that is really important. A few weeks ago, we talked about, um, you know, um, What's it called? I want to get this right. That's the reason why I'm pausing. Um, almost, uh, I'm getting this wrong, but I apologise. But almost, you know, sort of a black curriculum, and you know, a, a, a culturally responsive curriculum. Um, well, actually took into account, you know, the individuals within that space. And one of the conversations that came out of that blog was, you know, a discussion about moisturising. Um, and and Mo was on there. It was talking about you know if he, if he saw you know a student with you know dry and you know flaky skin, then he'd know that that pupil wasn't moisturising, and therefore potentially it was a problem at home. That's the first I'd ever heard of that. So there are you know, and there are there must be many examples of those things. We talked about you know. You know, his sister not ever wanting to do swimming the day before she washed her hair because it takes her 24 hours. When she sets out to wash her hair, it's a 24-hour job in terms of starting and finishing. So not going into the pool was far more preferable than the hassle of trying to go through the other things. So, but without those populations in these spaces and that understanding, then, you know, that's having a conversation like that is going to be... Um, 
it's not going to happen. It, it comes out of the blue and it comes as a surprise. So I do think that's the way that we have to do it. Um, but it, it's not a, it's a process that takes time. And maybe it, maybe it is happening and maybe is that time is being taken. Um, but I, I guess that, you know, from me, it's we need we need to do we need to be more proactive and we need to do more to make that happen. At the end of the blog, uh, you finish with uh, how to how to teach better or how to be better teachers. What's the distinction between those two? So surely, if you're a better teacher, you teach better, and if you teach better, you're a better teacher. Yeah, so that was a kind of the notion of to be a better teacher is to fit in and play the game, respect, you know, in that respect. But to teach better is to look at the lessons that we can learn from from those things, to be able to challenge those space, to be able to support those. So, yeah, from a strict perspective, then, yes, you're right. But I was doing that particularly to say, you know, to be a better teacher. Um, you know, and, and the job advert thing that I put at the beginning is a lot of fun to write, but that is kind of what you're asked to do. But, you know, there are certain things that get you a job in a school. So teacher of physical education wanted the ability to teach netball is an advantage. Well, in some schools, it's such an advantage that you don't even need to be a qualified teacher. And your ability to teach netball will forgive you from any other teaching you do in another area where you you might not be as good as a qualified teacher because that's what you're there to do. Um, now, I'm not saying that all people who take on that roles are not capable of being, you know, really good individuals, role models, challenging the curriculum in all sorts of spaces. But but there are, you know, there will be individuals in that in that space who are, um, you know, not as good. But because of that expertise, they're given, um, you know, priority or kind of a leg up, I guess, in that respect. Uh, I mean, I've seen adverts in this country for um, teachers of PE who um, are just not teachers of PE. Um, and I guess you see that in in in, in the US with, with coaches. You know the co the role of coaches seen in you know in in a bigger as a more important thing or with higher respect than um, you know the teacher. Well, I've just watched um, All or Nothing, which was the um, Minnesota. Um, they did one with the All Blacks, they did one with Man United, but they've done one with um, University of Michigan, sorry. Um, Wolverines, that's it. It's a really interesting kind of programme, but the coach in that respect, he doesn't have to do anything but coach. Probably one of the highest members of faculty in, 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 in the university, but well, all he does is coach the football team. Um and his role is to be a, an ambassador for the university in that regard. Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, you know, really interesting to see that college sport from from that sort of level. But then they've got 100,000 people who to, 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 to turn up to watch a game. You know, IMS here and not IMS, but you're lucky if you get 100 people, let alone 100,000 people. So, you know, it's a different kettle of fish. But um, and I'm getting off task, but, the, you know, his responsibilities are very different. I think that uh, you, you mentioned 
Ashen, the the coaching conundrum in the U.S. versus P.E. not only at the college level, but it takes place K through 12 as well, particularly high school. You see a lot of uh, coaches that spend a lot of time preparing, yet they are uh, teachers, whether they're physical educators or t- teachers in other disciplines that if they spent the same amount of time, obviously we would uh, perhaps have, be having a different conversation right now. So there, yeah, there's a lot to think about. Um, but I guess the challenge, and I get, I, I'm kind of bringing this to a conclusion now, but the challenge that we set on the program and you know our program here is that we ask you to think, we've said this before, we ask to think about you, the type of teacher that you'd like to be from day one. And, you know, I'm sure you've had a conversation with Carl to finish off that kind of process. And one of them is, what's what sort of teacher do you want to be in five years? Those sorts of questions. And then remember that. So all the time that you're playing the game and you fit, you fit, 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 fitting in, and you're doing everything else, you are remembering the type of teacher that you want to be. If 51% of teachers remembered that, we'd start to see a change. But I'm not sure that 55, 51% of teachers want to do that necessarily because they've enjoyed PE. I mean, goodness sake, they had a great time. That's often why they're here. The way that PE is structured is the way that they they love. That's what brought them to PE in the first place. So why would they change that? And that's a challenge in itself. Um, I think that's easy to forget if you do end up fitting in and just fitting in that essentially comfort blanket of, are fit in now whereas I, I i've said this to a few people i remember sitting in that lecture that we had on models best practice at the start of the year in that building that's right at the other end of campus thinking i really hope i remember this in however many years time because that's what PE should be about not just your drills and your performance and or can you kick a football with a correct part of your foot uh, in isolation no it's not it's a good point uh cam and uh you know, Ash is right on. And I think you asked the same question last week. What do we do? How do we start to address it? And we, we last week we talked about, well, we have to certainly make teacher candidates, beginning teachers aware of, of this issue and the fact that they're likely playing the game. But I think one step further, Ash, kudos to you, this, this five-year goal. You, you can't forget that. I think that's a key point, too, that Pete uh, – Pete, uh, uh, faculty have to kind of remind teacher candidates about, but you know, but then Cam goes back to the same problem that I, uh, you know, uh, you know, proposed at the beginning today. People get comfortable with their privilege, and by playing the game, they are now getting by 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 that five year point, they're gaining advantage, right? So, are they now swayed? perhaps in a direction that we don't want them to be. Um, that's that's the predicament, for sure. It is, and I think that notion of privilege is really important because, you know, there are advantages to fitting in. But there are, you know, I think we can, personally, we just look at, we have to look from a pedagogical perspective. What do we want the young people to learn? And that's the way to change. Um, hopefully we're becoming more cognizant of the other issues, the sexism, the racism, the, you know, 
the homophobia, the, you know, the, and those are things that we can address, but we do need to address them more and more. We need to have the courage to do that with colleagues. Um, and, but that's easier to do when you've known that colleague for five years. But then does that become your sense of humour? And then we're in, that's when the conundrum fits in. So when you fit it in so well that you are assimilated, then P doesn't change and societal ills don't change either. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of challenges around here, but um, and yet you've got to remember that P is a fantastic place for so many people as well. Um, I guess we just want to make it a fantastic space for everybody. Um, but that's the that's the biggest challenge you know, in, in all of it, I guess. And that's where our discussions ended. I'd like to thank my regular guests Cameron and Clancy for their company and thoughts. Thanks for listening, stay safe and hopefully you'll choose to catch up with us next time when we continue to explore Rossi and colleagues' book.